Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. So as a leader, you have to make your people feel like they're the priority in your business. And in turn, they're going to give you 100% and they'll be loyal and you'll be able to give them more responsibility without necessarily increasing their pay which is, I think, one of the biggest things that we run into as real How great would it be to buy a piece of institutional quality income-producing commercial buildings? Well, now you can with Building Bits. It's not a REIT or a fund. Building Bits is a new platform for non-accredited investors where virtually anyone, regardless of income, can select a building lease to a major corporation with a guaranteed long-term lease. You can now invest in the same quality assets, which have previously only been available to institutions and wealthy individuals. Once you choose your building on buildingbits.com, you can invest as little as $500 and receive your share of the rents while BuildingBits' team of real estate pros handles all the management aspects of the building. For the first time, the big corporations in America can actually start paying you. And when the building is sold in the future, the potential appreciation is redistributed to everyone so you don't just get the rental income but also share in the upside. Best of all, since these securities are SEC qualified, they are freely tradable immediately. The $500 minimum with no upfront fees is available for a limited time. There are great properties available nationwide with major tenants, so don't wait. Go to buybits.us today and pick your property before they're all sold out of their current inventory. That's buybits.us. That's buy, B-U-I, bits, B-I-T-S, dot U-S. The SEC offering circular is available at buildingbits.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Danny Coleman, how you doing, Danny? Hey, what's up, man? Doing good. Well, I'm glad to hear it and a little bit about Danny. He's been working for small teams and businesses since he was 14 years old. He's got a passion for small businesses and helps business owners grow their businesses. And in fact, he was a COO of a real estate development company for four years, and his focus is on management. So we're going to talk about the lessons he learned from his experiences and how it can be applied to real estate investors and what we're doing based in Columbia, Tennessee. So with that being said, Danny, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. Yeah. Thanks so much. So like I mentioned, I was 14. I mentioned that. I was homeschooled. I don't know. Anyone out there who's ever homeschooled knows that we get to work early in life. So I've been working my whole life. It's always been for small business. Had a few corporate stints. Honestly, it just wasn't for me. I think that when you got the entrepreneurial bug in you, you're not going to last long in a corporate environment. So ultimately, kind of one thing led to another. I ended up falling into real estate kind of haphazardly because of a position I took with a real estate team. And then a couple of years later, fast forward, working for a real estate development company. 
started off as office manager slash project manager, then went into business development for the team and ultimately COO. And that was the last time that I was a W2 employee. So when that business split up, the two there was two CEOs and they kind of both had a different vision for the business. So they went their separate ways. And I was like, oh, maybe I can take what I learned being COO for a small team and try to bring that to other teams and real estate businesses. Because if you can work in one place, you know, it can work in any place really, so long as you can teach their fundamentals. And before we talk about what you learned, what did you all do at that real estate development company? We started out wholesaling. We were wholesalers. We were doing pretty high volume, at least for us. We were in Nashville, Tennessee, so Nashville has been pretty hot. So we wholesaled for a while, and then we kind of dipped our toes into the flipping side of, of things as well. So we would basically get it under contract, and then either we just determined what's the best way to monetize this contract. Of course, it used to always be the answer was just wholesale. And then we started realizing all the money that we were leaving on the bone, essentially. So we started doing some flips as well. And then the owners also kind of used it as their machine to also uh, fill up their rental portfolio. And they gave us the opportunity to do the same, which is something I'll touch on later. So based on that experience, what did you learn that you're now applying to small businesses as well as real estate entrepreneurs who have their own businesses? The biggest thing is that helping managers, so if you're a small business owner, you're managing somebody. Helping managers realize that the fundamentals of management, especially when you're dealing with a small team, it's got limited resources. You get your people aspect and your process aspect. Getting those things right, focusing on the people aspect, really comes down to the words thrown around a lot, but culture. You can figure out how to have a good culture on your team, create and cultivate a good culture, and realize that that's an ongoing, never-ending process. You can create a team that becomes leaders, that give you 110%. And can honestly run your business for you so that way you can do really what you want with your time. Mm -hmm. How do you cultivate a good culture? Everything for me kind of starts with the hiring process. So whenever I go into work with a business, I start with their hiring process because everything stems from the people that you bring in to help you fulfill your vision, to create the thing that you want to create. So there's three phases to that. There's recruiting. And there's onboarding and then there's retaining. So culture really becomes the biggest player in the retaining phase. But honestly, it, it, it permeates the whole way through. I don't know if that answers your question or not. I can, I'll get into it uh, if you'd like. But basically, culture, in a sense, is the soul of your business. And that's why it's, people have such a difficult time with it. Because, I don't know if it's grocery or not, but whatever, the non-physical part of yourself, your soul, if you will, of your business is the same thing. It's this intangible aspect where all of the things you have all the processes and systems you have going on around you create the culture. So it's got to be intentional, but you also have to realize that you can't control it like you can a process. So there's certainly a priority on having a phenomenal culture. Can you get into some specifics of how to create it? Because you mentioned it starts with the hiring process. So you got to recruit, you got to onboard people, you got to retain them. But can you get into some more specifics there? Yeah, so the first thing is, what kind of people are you bringing into your team? A lot of small businesses or owners have the propensity to put warm bodies in the seats. Hey, your sister needs a job, your, you know, my brother needs a job, just whoever. You go online and you work with virtual assistants. We work with lots of virtual assistants. I've, I've worked with them over the years. And you tend to kind of just think, okay, I just need a monkey in here doing this. Anyone can do this. You can't have that way of thinking. You have to realize you've got to bring in quality people. Because if you want quality people, it's going to take intention. And quality people only stick around in the business if you continue to bring in quality people. 
Mm-hmm. Have this mix of like, oh, well, this is one of those positions where we need a quality person, but this is somebody where we can just do, anyone can do that. Mm-hmm. You have to throw out that way of thinking. So first of all, the people who you're bringing into your business. Secondly, structure. Rock stars love structure. They want honest feedback. They want opportunities in your business to grow. They're both personally and their income-wise. And they want to be in a place that supports them and where they feel like they can be vulnerable. There's a lot of stigma around the whole idea of safe space or whatever right now. But the point is, is your business should be a place where people can be vulnerable in the sense of that's how you're going to connect with the real person. If we're all wearing masks, then you're not interacting with the real person. You're going to have communication issues. But when people can be vulnerable, they can be themselves. When they're themselves, you have the best communication that you can have as humans. And that, if you have to boil all business problems down, it's not even business. It's really all problems in the world. It has to do with communication. How can we communicate with each other as humans? That's something that I had not thought of, that if there's a position that you need to fill, you must continue to have a high standard even if it's a position that perhaps isn't as much of a priority for you because bringing in quality people keeps the other quality people around. Thanks for sharing that. And it happens a lot, especially in real estate, because we tend to use virtual assistants for a lot of the parts of the work that basically could be automated, but you ultimately need a human to do it. So you'll, you'll tend to really kind of devalue that position because you feel like it's so robotic to do you could just have the lowest paid person in there. That's going to be the best thing for you. But ultimately, that's the biggest mistake. If you bring in people who are substandard, then your people who are meeting and exceeding standards will begin to, honestly, they won't feel great about your decisions. They won't trust you like how they should. Where do you find the quality people? You can get them. You can certainly find quality virtual assistants. Upwork is a huge place to go. It used to be Odesk. And you can find them on Craigslist. I got into the position I'm talking about, the COO position, via a Craigslist ad. So it really comes down to your process. So let's just think about this for a second. If you've got 100 people who apply, how do you figure out who are the one to three people in that 100 that are good? Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not a matter of where do you go to find them. It's just you got to make sure you're casting your net wide enough. But then the problem is, oh, if I'm casting my net so wide, well, then it's a 40-hour-a-week job to screen these people and to hire these people and interview these people. So you got to have a good process. And then that's what comes back to the hiring process we're talking about. A good process will work through all the masses of people that exist out there and who are trying to apply for your job. That's essentially how you do it. You, you have to cast a wide net. But you've got to have a process that keeps it from taking up all your time. And what is that process? Every business that I work with, we kind of tweak it a little bit. So it starts with your job ad. How are you even putting your job ad together? This sounds so basic and technical, but it's really important. When you're writing a job ad, what you're doing is you're asking someone else to come contribute to your vision. You're saying, hey, I want you to come and be a part of this thing that I'm building. So the, the way that I have people write job ads, or I, I'll write them for them, is you want to tell a story. Why your business? Describe what your business is, the core values of your business. You know, What are the people in your business like? And then you want to lead them on. Okay, does this sound like a place that's interesting to you? Okay, well, keep reading. Here's what we need help with. You get really clear on your position. So I always have people write up a position agreement, right? You're going to help them write up a position agreement. Position agreement is a mutual contract between you and the person who's filling the position. So it starts out, it's more basically, it's a job description. But then once you bring them on board, it's kind of when it becomes more of like this living, breathing document between you and them. But to stay on point with the process here, you start out with just your job description, right? So you're super quick. Here is the reason that this position exists. Here's the things that you're going to be responsible for doing. 
on a daily, weekly, monthly, whatever basis. Sound like you? Sound like something that you're interested in? Cool, keep reading. And then you describe them as a person. And I think this is what's missing from a lot of job descriptions. You kind of just say, hey, here's our company. Here's what we need. If you want to do this, apply for here. But you want to describe them as a person because the people who get really excited and people who, who are hiring managers will know what I'm talking about or if you've done interviews and stuff. The people who get excited about working for you and who you want on your team, they're reading that description of themselves essentially on your job ad and they're like giddy and they can't wait to apply for it. Mm -hmm. Wow, this is what I've been looking for. And just to give you a real life example, this is how I got into that position for the real estate business in Nashville. And that three and a half years or so, that changed my life. And it was because of how well written the job ad was. It wasn't perfect, but it got me excited. In fact, one of the things that they had in the job ad was must enjoy organizing chaos, which is the name of my podcast. I have a podcast. The name is Organizing Chaos. So as I read about the, through this job description, it described me, and it's like, oh, my gosh, like, I can't wait to do this. Mm-hmm. So that's really, that's the big part. And I'm kind of going into details on the hiring process, but it really is where it all starts. You do putting that job out together is the first step towards finding the right people. And again, you've got to cast a wide net, but that process needs to sift through all of the people that are going to apply. You're going to have resume shotgunners. You don't want them. You want the people who get excited. And then I have really specific instructions on how to apply. You've got to have your subject line must look like this. And you must include a cover letter and these other things. But yeah, I mean, I can get into as much detail as you'd like on that. Yeah, that would be good. And I imagine one of the things you mentioned is have something specific in the subject as well as have a cover letter. Those are the ways that you filter people out, right? Yeah, and it started honestly out as something I did for technical reasons because I was casting a wide net, but I didn't want to deal with all these emails in my inbox. So I set up a filter and I needed that filter. I needed it to work for that filter. I'm sure you're probably familiar with Podio. I would use Podio to manage the applications. And so emails would come in from Craigslist and D, wherever all the different places where I have the job ad, they would come in and then they would use that filter to send that email onto Podio where I would then manage when I'm batch my time and then I'd manage the applications in there. But then I also get a qualifier. Can you follow simple directions such as your name, colon, position? And a lot of people don't do that. And there's also lots of apps out there that work with Craigslist that help people shop in their resume. And it doesn't take those types of things into consideration, just like go to reply like with a job title or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's the next part of the process. And then the next thing I do is I shortlist those candidates. So I've already had two pre-screens that essentially went through a really specific job ad and then a specific way of applying. Mm-hmm. And then I do, is a, I do a video recording. So I'll send out a video of myself where I pretty much just say a few things about the position, about what we're looking for. I pretty much just read the job ad, but I obviously give it some flavor and context and I let them see me. And then I send that video out to everybody who I've shortlisted and I request a video back from them. We used to have a problem for a while. We would kind of hit and miss on whether or not people would be responding with a video because a lot of people don't want to do that. But I found out that it balanced the relationship a little bit by me sending the video first to all those people I shortlisted. And basically it gets them excited again. If If they like the position, they're going to be excited to respond. So that's another screen right there because you're going to have maybe a 25% response rate with people doing videos back. And it also tests their ability to even do something simple like upload a video to YouTube, make it unlisted, and send it to you. What do you ask them to do in the video? I have them tell me what about the job ad stuck out to them, what interested them, and then why do they think their natural talent and or their experience would be relevant to this position. And it really just gives me an idea of who they are as people before we have to sit down and schedule interviews. It gives me an idea of what's their character like? How are they coming across? 
what is it that excited them about the job ad? I want to hear them say it rather than a formulated email response where they can write it and rewrite it a million times. Now, of course, they can upload a video many times too, but they're less likely to do that than they would. You know, mm-hmm. So getting just those two questions answered is really all that I ask for. And again, it just gives me, it helps me with this whole process of being able to cast a wide net, but then use all these various filters to filter it down to make it best use of my time. For people who do the video, the 25%, but you're not a fan of the video, do you reply to them or do you just not reply? I do let them know that I'm moving forward with another candidate. Of course, typically at that stage, they might have asked me a question, you know, hey, you know, I always let people know I got it because you always want to be respectful of the fact that okay. sent a stranger a video. Yeah, yep. So I always respond and say, yeah, I have an audit response. Hey, we got your video. Thanks so much. We'll be in touch within the next time frame. And I always try to let people know about it. The people who send back a video, I try to let them know what the deadline is for when I'm trying to hire for this position. So it's respectful of their time. Because if they've given me this much respect at this point to reply to the video, follow the instructions, send me a video back, I want to let them know, one, that I got it, and two, what kind of time frame they can expect. Because they might be looking for a job sooner, or they might need to move on with another application or something. Mm-hmm. So I try to be respectful of that by letting them know. But ultimately, when I'm done interviewing someone, or by the time I get to the point where I'm scheduling rather in-person interviews, I let everybody else know we're moving forward with other candidates right now. So you know, thanks so much for your interest and then what's the next step in your process? So the next step is in-person interview. And I'll give this out, honestly, to anyone who's interested in it. But I have a, an interview template that I use. And it's kind of built it over time. It's been it, There's a lot of research behind it. There's more experience behind it. And I've got an interview template that it runs. I mean, my interviews run about an hour long. And that's why this process got, it has to shake people down to the point where maybe I've got five or six people who sent back videos who I'm like, I want to schedule an in-person interview with these people. Without fail, out of those five or six, I'm only going to get three people who are going to take the time to schedule an interview with me. But the truth is that probably any one of those people that I'm going to schedule an interview with, because of all the filters I've had set up beforehand, by the time we get to that point, probably any one of those three people would actually work. Mm. And then the interview is just to see who do I think it would work with the best, who's got the chemistry, if they're interacting with me, where we're going to get along the best, we're going to be able to communicate and understand but that interview, like I said, that's an hour long. A couple of the things that I ask people about is like their future plan. I want to know that a candidate I'm talking to has been considering their future, at least six or 12 months in the future. Are they reading books? Do they read books, period? I don't care. I like it to be personal development books or business books. But reading fiction or whatever, that's fine too. But I think people who read books, it's a telltale sign of someone who is just a little bit more than basic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's another favorite. I always ask the classic question, what's a weakness? What's something you can stand to improve on? Because for me, if you're not self-aware enough to know something that you need to work on, then you're not self-aware enough to be on my team. So I think that's important too. But I'm trying to think of some of my other favorites. I always like to ask people about, uh, what, you know, say in one word, describe what motivates you. And then I also ask, in what word, describe what discourages you or tears you down. And it helps me to get an idea of how this person uses words. Everyone has a different association with different words. Different words mean different things to different people. That's why communication is hard. It gets them to stop and think, you know, mm-hmm. in the interview. And that's what a lot of my questions are designed to get people to pause and give me thoughtful answers. Because as I'm doing the interview, I'm always engaging in Socratic questions, which if you don't know what that is, is basically just asking a clarifying question after each question. It's not every question. Sometimes people give me good answers. 
that I don't need to ask for clarification on. But most of the time I'll be like, go further into that. Or why would you use that word? Or give me an example of that or something like that. And you get them to get a layer deeper. And then that's how you filter out people who might be just blowing smoke or, you know, BSing or whatever. That's what my interviews are really designed to do. How do I get down to the real person? How do I get down to the genuine human being that I'm going to be interacting with on a daily basis? And then one thing I forgot to mention is that I open it up by actually mentioning a few things about myself. I like to have a conversation, not an interrogation. And so mm-hmm. you go in there and you're just like, oh, well, let me just immediately start asking you questions. No, I like to say, hey, my name is Danny Coleman. You know, I live in Clinton, Tennessee. I really like to be part of my community. I've been working for this business for X years. I like to ride motorcycles and I'm a Star Wars nerd. Mm-hmm. It lowers defenses because defenses are there because they think that they have to present this perfect version of themselves. Right. That's not the version of the person you're going to be working with on a daily basis. You're going to see people in terrible situations, which reminds me one other favorite question of mine from an interview is asking them about what frustrates them the most and then following up with how do you cope? That's another good one that I've really had a lot of good. Because again, you're not just asking questions that they pass or fail here. You're asking questions that inform you. If you hire them, you understand more about them and how to interact with them sooner rather than later. Incredibly insightful. Thank you for that. How can the best ever listeners get that template? Do they just email you or? Yeah, shoot me an email, danny, dannycoleman.me. And I have a bit.ly link. I don't know, am I able to put that? Can I send it to you? And it'll go- yeah, you can send it to Grant on my team and he'll make sure it's in the show notes page. I'm sorry, what was your email? Danny at dannycoleman.me. So that's D-A-N-N-Y at D-A-N-N-Y, C-O-L-E-M-A-N, like the camping gear, dot M-E, me. Cool. Well, based on your experience as an entrepreneur, what is your best advice ever for real estate investors looking to scale their company? It would be focused on your people. I remember there was a point in time when on the business side that I used to work for that I was like, wow, I feel like we care more about each other than we do about our customers. And that sounds weird and odd, but I think it's really important because if your team doesn't think that their priority, that the money is more priority then they're not going to follow you. Mm-hmm. So as a leader, you have to make your people feel like they're the priority in your business. And in turn, they're going to give you 100% and they'll be loyal and you'll be able to give them more responsibility without necessarily increasing their pay, which is, I think, one of the biggest things that we run into as you know, real estate entrepreneurs. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, yeah. I've not done one. <laughs> well, because I've never interviewed you on the show. This is the first time, so you'll enjoy it. It'll be a lot of fun. First, though, a quick word from our best ever partners. Wouldn't it be nice to buy a piece of institutional quality, income-producing commercial real estate buildings for as little as $500? Now you can with Building Bits. Building Bits is a new platform where virtually anyone, regardless of income, can select a building leased to a major corporation with a guaranteed long-term lease. The $500 minimum with no upfront fees is available only for a limited time. There are great properties available nationwide with major tenants, so don't wait. Go to buybits.us today and pick your property before they're all sold out of the current inventory. That's buybits.us. That's buy, B-U-I, bits, B-I-T-S, dot U-S. The SEC offering circular is available at buildingbits.com. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month. 
then go to besteverCauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. All right, speaking of being well-read, best ever book you've recently read? David Goggins, saying that right, Can't Hurt Me, fantastic book. Best ever business deal you've done, whether real estate or otherwise? Well, I would have to say there was a deal that we got a $100,000 assignment on, and that was pretty cool. We all got a percentage of that, so I didn't get $100,000, but I did get a really nice paycheck. What's a mistake you've made in business? I would have to say being overly trusting. What happened? Contractors specifically. Ah, uh, yeah. I just got kind of manipulated by a contractor. I don't think it was so maniacal. I just think they're one of those people that kind of, oh, we got a good relationship, so I can get away with this, I can get away with that, I can get away with this. And so, yeah. What's we'll foundation issues now? We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Best ever way you like to give back to the community? My local community or the real estate? Whoever. Well, I'm a very big proponent of being involved in your local government. I think that it's very important that you're attending commission meetings and or your city council meetings, getting in touch with your local representatives, because that's where you can have an impact in government. And if you want to change the way that the world is, you need to get in touch with leaders and or be one yourself. So on that note, I ran for a county commission seat just recently. It was just a vacancy, so it wasn't like a traditional election. Didn't win, but I am going to run next year. So call me in 2020 for... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How can the best summer listeners learn more about what you're doing? Well, they can visit my website, www.dannycoleman.me, D-A-N-N-Y-C-O-L-E-M-A-N. You can find my podcast. I think everything there is about me is on there, but my podcast is uh, Organizing Chaos. You can find that on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, on Spotify, all your favorite uh, music listening apps. But yeah, if you just go to dannycoleman.me, you're going to see everything about me there, including my social media profiles, LinkedIn, Instagram, all that jazz. You laid out the plan for how to attract and screen qualified applicants so that you bring in the best people which creates the best culture and you got very detailed talking about things to put in the job description to attract people as well as ways to filter out a bunch of people who wouldn't be as qualified and then questions asked during the interview process so any entrepreneur who is scaling their business this is an interview to listen to, and I'm grateful that you spent some time with us. So thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you again soon. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. Best Ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to... One, learn more about the causes that we're profiling. We do one a month. Then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out.